You are listening to Scale Your Freelancing Podcast with your host, Satya Perna. Every week, we bring you inspiring messages and interviews to help you scale your freelance business to six figures while creating more freedom than ever before. Thanks for joining us today and let the show begin. Okay, we are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Scale Your Freelancing Podcast. This is your host, Satya Purna. And today I'm interviewing Rachel Foster, who is one of my clients and also a super talented case study copywriter. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. I'm so excited to do this interview with you. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and share really quickly with all the humans where you're based, what you do, all that good stuff? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Rachel Sprasio Foster and I'm based out of Toronto. I'm a freelance copywriter and I've been doing this for about 10 years now, actually 11 years now. And um, I work uh, solely with B2B technology companies and I do all kinds of things for them from white papers to case studies to website copy. I love that. That's awesome. So you mentioned you've been doing this for 11 years, which is obviously amazing and insane. That's been such a long time. So what were you doing before these 11 years? Uh, did you have like a full-time role in marketing or what did you do? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from the States. I'm from the Niagara Falls, uh, Buffalo area. And before um, I moved to Canada, I was working in Buffalo for an architectural firm and I was doing proposal writing for them. And I really enjoyed the job. But um, after I married my husband, we moved to Toronto because mm-hmm. he's Canadian. So um, when I started here, I was kind of looking for work and I got placed into this um really horrible role. <laughs> it's not on my LinkedIn profile, so don't go looking for it. <laughs> but I was there for about a year and it was just it was awful. So while I was there, I was um, looking for something else to do. And one of my friends suggested that I go see a life uh, slash career coach. And um, so I started meeting with her and she suggested that I go into freelance copywriting because I used to do proposal writing. And at first, I wasn't sure about it. I was like, I don't know. I don't really think I could go out there and sell. I don't know, like that. I'm introverted. That doesn't sound like a good thing to me. But she's right. like, well, here's this um, seminar coming up. And it's um, it was called something like how to make $120 an hour as a, as a freelance copywriter. And she's like, I think you should go to this. And I was like, yeah, I think so too. But it's during work and I'm in my first year and I don't get any vacation time. I don't get any really like sick days or anything like that. Actually, no, I did get sick days. So I didn't, get no, I didn't have any vacation time or like days off or anything. So I thought, what am I going to do? So I called in sick <laughs> and I went. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and after I took the seminar, I'm like, I'm all in. Let's do this. <laughs> I love that. That's such a cool story. And like, I'm so glad you took that sick day off because, you know, it's, it's led to, I'm sure it's led to so many amazing things, right? Absolutely. And then I was fortunate too, because I got a grant from the province of Ontario, a business development grant, and it included um, 12 weeks of business training, mm-hmm. and then um, a, a year's worth of, uh, of money that was kind of like the equivalent of being on unemployment for a year. So during my first year, I didn't really have to worry about, you know, paying the bills while I was uh, starting off. So that was a huge, huge help. Wow, that is so cool. And I, that's such a that's such a huge help to have for sure, because so many people quit in that first year because obviously, you know, they have to pay bills or they can't figure out how to make it work. But that's amazing that you got that support. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. 
So I, I would love to, actually, you mentioned this um, a, a few minutes back that you are an introvert and there was a part of you that felt like, oh, you know, I don't like really like selling. I don't want to go out there and, you know, promote myself because I'm an introvert. And I now I know that you have been running a six-figure business for a while now. So I'm curious, what was it like for you to scale to six figures as an introvert? Like what, what, what did you learn along the way? Yeah, so it definitely took, uh, it took a few years, you know, to, to get up there, but um, I think I learned, you know, what I enjoy doing because there's so many different options that you have for marketing and for sales, but I, I think you can't, you know, do everything. So just focus on those things that feel comfortable to you and that work for you. And so for me, that was building up and working with repeat clients, uh, getting referrals from those clients and um, content marketing. I tried a B&I. I tried networking. Yeah. <laughs> it was so horrible. It was, um, <laughs> I would wake up, like go to like these 7am meetings and wake up like so early. And then I would come back and because I, I don't like networking, I don't have those relationship building skills and I, I'm not a morning person. So I'd, so I'd come back from those breakfast meetings and I would just sleep <laughs> for like a few hours and I'd waste like most of the day because I was shot. <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. That is so I think that's very spot on. I really feel like all of us as entrepreneurs, it's not about following somebody else's system. Like it's the gospel truth. Like, you know, whether it's a coach or a mentor or whatever. Yeah, of course, if what they're teaching you makes sense for you, it resonates with you. It's something that you want to do, do it. But I think we all have to honor like who we are naturally, right? Like for you, a networking event might just be like the worst thing ever. And if you try to push yourself to do that and like just try to force yourself or just hustle your way or like force your way through doing it, it's just going to get you like to a place that is like more and more misaligned with who you are as a person and what you need to thrive, right? So yeah, I, I'm glad that you moved on from the, <laughs> from the BNI networking world and just decided to focus on your core strength and just move forward with that because it's just that is just so much I'm, I'm losing the connection i'm gonna switch now um hi can you hear me now that works hello hello Hey, can you hear me? Hey. Okay, I've lost the connection. I changed networks, so hopefully this one's better. Okay, no worries. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure we can uh, edit it out of the podcast. I'll just <laughs> let uh, I'll just let let my team know that about ten minutes in. Uh, we have we have to edit the podcast. So don't worry about it. Okay. Um, okay. So cool. So um, I was saying it's actually a really good thing that you decided to move away from what was not working for you because that's one of the most important things you can do as an entrepreneur is like double down on your strengths instead of work on your weaknesses, right? So mm -hmm. that, that's awesome. I, I love that you've kind of embraced your introverted side. <laughs> Yeah, that, I did um, a Clifton Strengths assessment uh, last month, and that's actually what I learned. Like my key strength is called maximizer, and mm -hmm. what that is is taking something that's already working and making it better. So I would be somebody who would rather build on my skills that I already have and start something new that I'm not so good at. Yeah, for sure. That that absolutely makes so much sense, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs 
actually even those who are not maximizers right they waste so much time trying to build a strength in a new area while the truth is that it takes time to build strength in a new area right like for example like it just it's so funny cuz just today i had two different people tell me like oh man like you write so well like i i love your copy you write so well how do you do it how do you do it and i'm like i just been writing for a really long time <laughs> like there's no <laughs> there's no secret it's like there's literally no secret i've just been writing for a long time i used to write like not so great copy and then i got better and better and better and better and now i got to that place where i can write really good copy and i write it really quickly that's because i've just done it enough so if somebody was going to start to develop a skill in an area like copywriting for example it is probably going to take them a few solid years of like really understanding the skill really understanding the craft but they might have a great natural strength already like they might have a strength around public speaking or maybe they have strength around uh, you know analytical skills like they are really good at making high level plans in their business or whatever they would be so much better off just doubling down on the skills that they already have <laughs> than trying to build a new skill from scratch because yeah as we know it just takes time to build a new skill from scratch yeah Mm-hmm. and they can still try to build that skill if they want to but just in, in maybe just do it slowly not feel so so much pressure to do it oh yeah for sure for sure so tell uh, tell me more about like your kind of journey for growth right so you've been around or sorry journey around your growth you've been around uh, with your freelancing business for about 11 years now how long does it take for you to cross over that six figure mark um i think it took about 3 or 4 years Three or four years, okay. And at that point of time, like, what would what do you think like shifted for you? Like, what what is it were you doing very differently, like before the three to four year mark and after that? Uh, the first year that it happened, I ended up getting a retainer with a client that was bringing in half of my monthly income, and that right. went on for a really long time. So then I didn't feel so much pressure to have to go out and find other clients because I didn't have as much uh, to hit my revenue goals that I needed to make up for because I had half of it coming in from just one client. Ah, and so I really like maintaining long-term relationships with clients and just working with a, a few of them at a time. Ah, okay, that's awesome. That's really cool. And while you were doing that, did you did you ever feel like you wanted to kind of build more certainty around your income because you know, usually what happens for a lot of people is when they have a big client like that, it's like there's just a lot riding on that one client. So you know like if that one client goes away for whatever reason, you know, for internal reasons or whatever global market reasons like the pandemic or whatever they kind of feel like oh you know the rug got pulled out of under me right so at the same time were you working on like marketing to have other projects that were lined up so that that's not your single biggest client or how did you manage the uncertainty around that Well, that did happen. I did lose that client. They ended up I was uh, working through an agency and and they they ended up uh cutting the relationship with the agency and so I went with them and uh so that was a bit of a hit definitely. But right before that happened, I had um another client. They wanted me to do some web copy for them and they were a competitor. And um so and i i wasn't sure at first like you know if my client would mind me working with the competitor but luckily i got the approval to go and do that and so when i lost them i had something to fall back on so i wasn't <laughs> totally yeah. broke while i was uh, building up uh, back up and getting some new clients coming in and i think that's one thing like 
if you niche like really if you have a really narrow niche like I do um that 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 could happen like in one way like clients think it's great because you have experience in their in their niche but then sometimes you run into people who don't want you working with the competitors right so you have to think about think about that um and if maybe like build a clause into your contract that that says that you know you're not going to like talk about your project or anything but yeah you, you might be working with competitors right yeah no and that's that's such a great point that that you bring up because I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, especially like freelancers as well, often come across non-compete agreements too. Like there's some clients who really insist on a non-compete agreement saying you can't work with a competitor within an 800 mile radius or like a thousand mile radius. It might be a geographic thing or it might be a, a time period thing where uh, it's like you're not allowed to work with a competitor for the next five years or something like that. Have you ever had uh, any kind of client give you such a contract or no? Um. I think I've worked with agencies where they said that, um, you know, you, um, not not an, uh, like an advertising agency, but a job placement agency that, that places freelancers. And they said that you can't work with, um, like, if, if the company tries to hire you directly, you can't do that. Right. And so yeah. I think that was the closest thing I've, I've run into you. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting because I actually had my first non-compete request last week. It was a very interesting experience. And I was like, I went through it. I was like, hmm, that's very, very restrictive. And I just, I honestly just got, went back to my client and said, look, I can't sign it. Like, that's just what it is. And I'd already accepted the, her payment and stuff. So I was like, hey, look, like if this is not going to work and if it's not going to uh, be okay for you, I completely understand. I'm just going to refund the payment and we're going to part ways. Uh, but I can't sign this agreement because I, I mean, I take my agreement seriously as all of us should. It, it is a legal document. And even though we are not the same country and stuff like that, it's not something that you should take lightly. Uh, and so, but that contract was very interesting kind of a reminder for me as well around the importance of having boundaries, right? It's like, of course, all of us as freelancers want to make money, right? Of course, we all want to make money. Of course, we all want to have a successful business. And it's very tempting to say, oh, but it's like, it's good money. I should just take it because it's good money. And for folks who are tuning in and listening to this interview, I just want you, I want to kind of remind you of this again. It's like, please do not sign any kind of agreements that you don't feel comfortable with, right? It's like, even if the money sounds good, because usually what ends up happening is that in the long, in the long run, signing a, uh, signing a contract like that is way more expensive than not signing it. So it's like, you know, if you, let's say, you know, you lose $5,000 as a result of not signing the contract, as a result of signing it, you could potentially you lose twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in, uh, you know, in opportunity cost and lost contracts from other clients that you could have gotten, right? So it's often way more expensive to sign such a contract than to not sign such a contract. So please don't do it if you are not like a hundred percent aligned or if it doesn't feel good or you can see that the opportunity cost is going to be too high. If a client has a problem with that, then that just means that you need to walk away from that client. Thankfully, I didn't have to walk away from that client because she came back and she said, okay, I completely understand. Let's not do the non-compete and just go with the regular NDA, which we did, which I'm happy to do because I was implying to disclose her information to anybody anyway. And that's in my con uh, that's in my contract too, right? My NDA is in my contract too. So just want to remind the humans, everybody who's tuning in that please do not sign non-compete agreements if it feels too restrictive for you. Okay, so I'm curious. So you've been doing this for a really long time, right? But as entrepreneurs, we do come across people who doubt our ability to really scale our business and grow our business, or maybe people who are naysayers or uh, people who are just less than encouraging, right? 
did you feel like you had people in your or do you have people in your life right now who've been less than encouraging around your dreams um no i think that most of people in my life have been encouraging um i did have some problems with my husband when i first started um but as soon as he saw that i was paying the bills he was okay with it <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's like that like most of the time anyway, right? It's like I I remember when my when my I first told my parents that I wanted to quit and start my business. Actually, I didn't say I wanted to quit and start my business. I told them a few months after I had already quit and started my business. I told them like, "Hey, by the way, I have already quit and I've started I'm running this business now and it's going pretty well. I'm already making money. I've already replaced my salary." And I remember my dad telling me like you know satya if it doesn't work out you can just go get a job again <laughs> and i yeah. in my in my head i was like oh hell no <laughs> like in my head i was like absolutely not i was like i didn't come this far to only come this far right like i didn't come this far only to go quit quit my business and go back to a job like oh hell no but i know that he was coming from like a very loving place cuz in his head it was like it's not like you're going to be you know homeless like you can always get another job that's what he was trying to say but as a new entrepreneur you're often like dude like don't you believe me like i can make this work <laughs> but it's just one of those things i still laugh about it when i think about that but yeah it's it's good that you had a lot of you know mostly supportive people in your life but it's true like i think once you start paying the bills and people see that you know you're able to bring in good amounts of money and and you're you're doing it i think people just automatically you know get on your side and and start supporting you which is nice <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, right? So in your business so far, what has been the most challenging thing that you've had to overcome? Cuz I love asking this question to my interview guests because we need to start talking about the fact that business is still challenging sometimes, right? It's not always 100k launches and uh, champagne parties. There's sometimes some really shitty days too. So, what has been the most challenging part about your business so far? Um, I've definitely been through the feast and famine, but I would say that um 2 years ago I was in a situation where I was working with a lot of clients. Um so one of my uh, key clients that I'm still with is an agency. So I was working for them and I they had a bunch of different clients I was working with. And then I had a bunch of different clients. I think I was working with something like 10 clients at once and it wow. was just there was just all of control. And so I was working 6 or 7 days a week on client work. I had no time for anything. I couldn't think, I couldn't relax and I was getting really burnt out. Wow. So at the beginning of 2019 I thought you know how am I going to change this um so I ended up doing a few things I went through my list of the services that I was offering and I cut out the ones that I thought were were the lowest value which for me was blogging so I I no longer blog for clients because it takes a lot of time and it's not really super high value um yeah. for clients or for myself so yeah. I I cut that And then I narrowed down the number of clients that I work with. Um so I try to keep it at 3 at a time. So I might have a uh, two active projects where I'm writing and one where I'm waiting for something for from a client. So I try to keep it to 3 at a time and then I think um so that helped a lot too and then also getting better about planning my time and just being aware of how much I could actually take on without burning out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's all of them are just so important because I think often once we get into the role of things and like things start going well, like there's money coming in, it kind of gets so addictive to be like, oh, but like, you know, I'm making like, you know, $2000 here and $1000 there and it's like very addictive for us to kind of get caught up in those smaller amounts of money to the point where we don't actually pause and take a step back and look at the big picture and say, hold on a second, like does this 
support the lifestyle that I want to create, right? Like, does this support my big picture vision? Do I really want to be working six to seven days a week only on mm. client work? Like, or do I want to maybe take the evenings off and just like enjoy a sunset, right? <laughs> it's like, it, there comes a point where we have to make that decision for ourselves. And yeah, it goes back to making those tough decisions, like cutting out some clients and refusing to do certain projects and saying no to money. Because often I think if you don't have the balls or if you don't have the ability to say no to, to some money, or I would rather say, if you don't have the ability to say no to the good money, you can't get to a place where you're making great money, right? Like between that good money and great money, there's a period of time where you're going to have to be comfortable with like letting go of stuff that, that used to serve you maybe two years ago or five years ago, but it's just not serving you anymore to go to the next level. So yeah. yeah. The thing with repeat clients too, is that when you first start working with a new client, it takes a while to get up to speed with them. Uh, one of my key clients that I'm with now, it took me maybe about two months to get up to speed on everything. And, um, and he's been evolving his messaging as we've been working together too. But since I've been, I've been working with him for over a year, now if he asks me for something last minute, it's like no problem because I know his messaging, I know his brand, I know his audience. Right. And um, so I've been able to, even though I'm working with a lot less clients, I'm making the same amount of money as I was in 2018 when I was burning out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's just literally about structuring your business in a smarter way, right? Because it's not like, apart from that, nothing else has changed. You're still the same person. You're still selling the same services, but you're just choosing to do it in a smarter way to pretty much the same kind of client, but you're making the same amount of money without working as hard. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so we're, we're almost, uh, you know, we're almost at the end of our interview. So I would love to ask you, like, what is the one piece of advice or the best piece of advice that you've gotten in the last 11 years that you've been running your business that's been a game changer for you? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, the best piece of advice. Oh. I would say for me, niching has been really, really good. Instead of trying to focus on everything, just narrow down to, to one particular area and do what you like and what you're good at. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's such a good one because I feel like a lot of freelancers resist that for such a long time. Like they feel like, oh, you know, if I niche down, I'm going to lose all these other clients that are reaching out to me. Like I, I'm not going to be able to serve all these other people who need me. And then they kind of think that, oh, you know, or they go into that scarcity mode and say, I have to say yes to everyone because if I don't say yes to everyone that I won't make enough money and all of that. But the truth is when you really do double down on your niche, like you actually end up making more money. You're having more fun with your business. It's easier to run. It's more streamlined to run. There's just so many advantages of doing it. It just far outweighs like uh, the, all the little benefits that you have of being a generalist, like being a specialist just is way better than being a generalist. So yeah, I think that's, that's a really good piece of advice for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and if you had to uh, give some advice to a new freelancer who's just starting out and, or who's just starting to grow their business and wants to get beyond 10K, like what, what would you like to say to them? Um, I would say pick the areas, like you're probably gonna want, want to do some experimenting to find out what works, but once you figure out where you're starting to see traction, go all in. Like don't do all the social media, just, just do like say, if you're getting clients coming into LinkedIn, there's no reason to do LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything. Just go in on what is bringing in the most business. Cause what's that? We get like 80% uh, of our results from 20% of what we do. So you have to find that 20% and, and just go all in on it. I love that. That's beautiful sage advice. 
So Rachel, where can people connect with you online? Can, or, do you want to share your website or your social media handles? Sure. So it's uh, my website's uh, freshperspectivewriting.com. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. If you just look up Rachel Foster, you should find me there. Okay, beautiful. We'll add your links in the show notes below as well. So people can find you through the show notes as well. Okay, great. All right, excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. This was wonderful. So thank you so much for taking your time to thank come chat with me great. today. It's great. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode. If you want to learn how to hit your first $25,000 month in your freelance business, join us for our free training at satyapurna.com slash training. That's all for now. See you in the next episode.